Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. The five aggregates provide a relatively simple framework for describing the internal unfolding of the world of experience, among other things, revealing the cognitive constructedness of our presumptions and of our entire sense of reality. The Buddha offers a simile. Suppose bhikkhus, an artist or a painter using dye or lac or turmeric or indigo or crimson would create the figure of a man or a woman complete in all its features on a well-polished plank or wall or canvas. So too, when the uninstructed worldling produces anything, it is only form that he produces, only feeling that he produces, only perception that he produces, only formations that he produces, only cognizance that he produces. Form, feeling, perceptions, formations, and cognizance are events of awareness or consciousness arising and falling, classified into five groupings, just as many brush strokes might come in five colors. These groupings are the aggregates, kanda in Pali, which refers simply to unstructured masses or heaps or piles. Each aggregate is broad enough that any given phenomenon in the world that is anything we experience should fall under the purview of at least one of these five categories. In this sense, the aggregates produce our entire experiential world. The following passage calls these the aggregates of appropriation. We will come back to what appropriation means. Again, bhikkhus, a bhikkhu abides contemplating phenomena in phenomena in terms of the five aggregates of appropriation. And how does a bhikkhu abide contemplating phenomena in phenomena in terms of the five aggregates of appropriation? Here a bhikkhu understands such is form, such its origin, such its disappearance, such as feeling, such its origin, such its disappearance, such as perception, such as its origin, such as its disappearance, such are the formations, such their origin, such their disappearance, such as cognizance, such its origin, such its disappearance. Each element of each aggregate is thereby a phenomenon that can be observed as arising and disappearing in experience. The five aggregates are as follows. Form, rupa, 
is the most basic. A form is an impingement within the field of any of the six senses. For instance, a sight, a sound, or a touch. It is raw data, often spatially positioned, waiting to be interpreted. Feeling, weidana, is the attribution of a preference value to phenomena that are present, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. We talked at length about feelings a few weeks ago. There is a contemplation of feeling exercise. Perception, sanya, is a recognition of present phenomena as belonging to a recognizable type typically associated with a name. We look out the window at a visual field and a phenomenon of the category car or cat arises within that field. Formation, sankara, are events of derivation, a putting together of structures and relations, including intentions, on the basis of present phenomena. Finally, cognizance, vinyana, is the deep apprehension of a full-blown situation on the basis of the present phenomena. Cognizance is highly presumptive. This might seem initially a bit abstract for direct observation, but concentration can be used as an instrument to tease these apart. Here is how I practice this. Settling into a meditative state, the mind withdraws from cognizance, then from formations, and ultimately admits only of uninterpreted forms, particularly sound. This is a level of bare awareness. Certain sounds catch interest and produce little splashes of recognition. Bird, footstep, car door... If I allow a little more intrusion, certain relations reveal themselves. House door, then footsteps, then car door, then ignition. As the mind returns from meditation, the world becomes very detailed and populated by many existing things, totally convincing. At least this works for me. The first thing to notice is that each awareness event, except maybe for those of the form aggregate, is conditioned by other phenomena present in experience. For their part, forms arise as impressions seemingly from nothing, seemingly at the exterior periphery of the experiential world. For instance, as shapes and colors in the visual field or sound vibrations in the auditory field. We can observe the dynamics of these five aggregates for ourselves. If a form arises, a feeling can arise with respect to that form. Positive or negative preferences catch our interest. Almost immediately, this is followed by a perception. Oh, that's a clock! These first three kinds of elements, form, feeling, and perception, tend to appear quite spontaneously. Feeling and perception, perhaps, through weighted pattern matching based on internalized previous experience, if we want to put it into cognitive terms. 
Thereupon relations and structures are imposed. I can place my laptop on that flat surface with a chair next to it. As formations that are often more deliberate than the first three aggregates. Then feeling can re-arise. That's a good idea. Then perception. A desk. This is like layering one brush stroke on others of different colors. Any of these elements may arise with competing alternatives. Cognizance comes along with more confidence and depth in its interpretation, generally with a great deal of presumption. Cognizance produces a self and objects in relation to a self, fills these out with three dimensions, makes them endure, and so on. Additional forms tend to arise in the vicinity of cognizance. Feeling and perception can arise from cognizance and so on, one brush stroke on top of another. The second thing to notice is that each element tends to have a meaning or contributes to the construction of a meaning at every step. This is where the world out there comes from. In other words, aggregate elements are much like words, phrases, and sentences. They are events, cognitive events, that point to meanings beyond themselves. Cow is a word, a vocal event, or maybe three letters printed on a piece of paper. But cow also carries the meaning of a big animal that stands in a field and eats grass and gives us milk. It is like a percept in a visual or auditory field. And when words are combined, they construct complex meanings, whole situations. Aggregate elements do the same thing. They construct an outer world, which becomes also part of our experience. Aggregate elements, like words, sentences, and phrases, are therefore dichotomies. They have an internal or cognitive aspect and an external aspect, typically pointing to a physical reality that also becomes part of the aggregate experience, the objects of narration. This is where internal and external come from. The Buddha refers to the dual nature of each of the aggregates in the Anatalakana Sutta, considered to be the second discourse of the Buddha. I think the reason the Buddha puts so much emphasis on understanding the aggregates, as well as the sense spheres, which we'll get to next week, in many, many discourses, is that we generally mistakenly think we experience the external part of the dichotomy directly. We just show up and the outer world is just there. We thereby overlook the essential internal part of the dichotomy and therefore overlook the invariable cognitive constructedness of the outer world out there. This allows us to presume that the outer world is really like the way we experience it, with a substantial self in relation to a limitless set of substantial objects which we then go on to feel, to crave, and to appropriate as me and mine 
to our detriment. But this whole process is simply the further unfolding of the five aggregates, recognizing the constructedness of the world undercuts the presumption of its substantiality. This is the function of internal analysis, by golly. From the perspective of the harmful consequences of constructing substantial things, these are called the five aggregates of appropriation, of clinging or of attachment, upadana in Pali. I prefer appropriation, because that is where this unfolding of the experiential world typically and naively ends up. But it need not end up there if we learn to experience otherwise through satipatthana practice by recognizing the insubstantiality of the world. The refrain for this exercise begins... In this way, he abides contemplating phenomena as phenomena internally, externally, and both internally and externally. The contemplation of the aggregates is all about internal analysis. It describes the steps whereby cognition constructs the presumptions that then lead to appropriation of things as me and mine. The full-blown objects of cognizance, in particular, are typically presumed to have substantial existence. We have a simple model that allows us to deconstruct all external presumptions by holding them up against the internal evidence for them. The internal evidence are the aggregate elements that condition the presuming cognizance. We also have an alternative way of recognizing the constructedness of the self. This was the concern of the first three Satipatthanas. This means of deconstructing the self was pointed out by the bhikkhuni Wajira at the time of the Buddha, who said, Just as with an assemblage of parts, the word chariot is used, so, when the aggregates exist, there is the convention of being. I think many people understand this as meaning a being consists of five parts, where form is the body itself, and feeling perception formations and cognizance are specifically aspects of mind. In analogy to the contemplation, of body parts exercise. But as I have maintained, it is always critical to ask in the context of Satipatthana, where are the moment-to-moment -moment observables? There is no point in practicing Satipatthana if there are no moment-to-moment -moment observables. The observables are awareness events, oodles of them generally in a steady stream. The five aggregates themselves are simply a somewhat random way of sorting out these awareness events into groups. It might be more apt in this simile to relate a chariot to an assemblage of elements, earth, fire, water, and air, an analogy to the contemplation of elements exercise. Besides, 
form, rupa, does not mean body in Pali, and all aggregate elements have consciousness or mind as one aspect, and many percepts or cognizants are among the most physical bodies we ever experience. A rock or a mountain, for instance, is both a percept and a cognizant at different levels of cognitive interpretation. Now, the aggregates together represent the experiential world, and experience is often taken as evidence for a self, since the self is what experiences. Moreover, what I experience is a complete description of what it is like to be me, and each of us similarly has a unique experiential world. In fact, in the early texts, the world and the self are often described as being coextensive in time, both being temporary or eternal or ending together. Notice that Sister Wajira deconstructs a being into the five aggregates rather than into the five aggregates of appropriation. If she had added appropriation, the result would have been a fleshed-out sense of self or personal identity. This is what results as we move independent co-arising from the link of appropriation to the link of becoming. We select elements of our experiential world that we choose to appropriate as me and mine in order to construct a footprint within the world of experience, which is personality itself. We turn to the teaching of another prominent awakened nun, Damadina, to clarify this for us. Friend Wisatka, these five aggregates of appropriation are called personality by the Blessed One. That is, the form aggregate of appropriation, the feeling aggregate of appropriation, the perception aggregate of appropriation, the formations aggregate of appropriation, and the cognizance aggregate of appropriation. These five aggregates of appropriation are called personality by the Blessed One. In short, We are what we appropriate. The five aggregates refer to the world in general as we experience it, and the five aggregates of appropriation refer specifically to our personal footprint within that world, everything we choose to have a stake in as me and mine. We appropriate because the aggregates construct objects and meanings, along with presumptions that they substantially exist in relationship to an existent self, such that we feel, we crave, and then we identify them as me and mine. The aggregates get us into trouble until we recognize the voidness of what they have constructed. Or else he abides contemplating in phenomena their nature of arising, or he abides contemplating in phenomena their nature of vanishing, or he abides contemplating in phenomena their nature of both arising and vanishing. Naturally, the aggregates arise and vanish all day every day. 
permanence adheres to objects that are the meanings of awareness events and presumed to be like this. But we are not justified in inferring permanence from what is impermanent. Or else mindfulness that there are phenomena is simply established in him to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and mindfulness. And he abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. That is how Abhiku abides, contemplating phenomena in phenomena, in terms of the five aggregates of appropriation. Yet we continue to refer to things for practical purposes, even while letting go of the presumption of a substantial existence, much as we watch a movie without really believing the characters and props actually exist in any substantial way. Next week, we will look at the contemplation of the sixfold sphere, an exercise closely related to that of the aggregates and illustrative of most of the same principles we have explored here.